You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is your faithful editor and host, Michael Litchens, here with really a living legend in Catholic media as far as I'm concerned. I'm here with Mr. Patrick Coffin. Many of you might know him from Catholic Answers Live, but he's going to be doing his own project pretty soon, The Patrick Coffin Show, which is going to be an independent media platform and podcast. He'll offer hope-based commentary, a few rants here and there, and really, as usual, his great sense of humor, his knowledge, and everything you've come to expect from Mr. Coffin. So, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. I, I note the irony of a coffin who yet is living. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the kind words. Uh, it's my pleasure, and thank you for pointing out the irony. So, uh, Patrick, to start us out here, can you tell us a little bit about what the Patrick Coffin Show is going to look like when you launch it? I can. It will look very, very handsome. Extremely oh, handsome. It's going to be huge, and I'm going to make the Canadians pay for it. <laughs> uh, the Patrick Coffin Show is a podcast-driven media platform, as you well and justly pointed out in your, in your intro. And the sweet spot of the, of the show, the point of it, if you will, is to get people in touch with the areas in their lives in which they have created barriers to the life they want to live. Now, obviously, as a Catholic, that means uh, friendship with Jesus Christ. That is the end game uh, for the baptized and telling mm-hmm. as many people as we can about Jesus and his plan for our lives and that he's the Lord of everything or he's the Lord of nothing. So that is certainly the backdrop. But the Patrick Coffin Show podcast and it's spreading across the uh, the platform itself is not going to be on the nose evangelization or apologetics. And not that I don't love that. I mean, that's my first love. But what I want to do is reach the audience that are that are not clamoring for explicitly Catholic content and yet who are open to an account of the world and strategies for self-improvement that are faith-friendly, I would say. And so uh, I want to focus on divorce, divorce-proofing your marriages, how to better make use of your time, how to get up early and get things done in a stress-free, product, you know, productivity-oriented way, how to uh, improve your memory recall so you don't have to walk into a, uh, a party or a business meeting. I'm sure you've had this experience Michael, you, you get introduced to someone and your host says, Michael, this is, you know, Bob Smith. Um, oh, nice to meet you. Hey. And so the host drifts off and you're staring at the guy whose name you just heard and it's gone. I know. I- Dude, I lose my car keys three times a day. That happens to me all the time. Yeah. Well, there's a way to fix that. And uh, mm-hmm. one of my guests is the great Harry Lorraine at age nine, ah. still blowing minds. And I get a lot of compliments on my memory recall and I always credit Mr. Lorraine for his... Uh, his memory techniques, his his fame got him on the Johnny Carson show 23 times, and uh, he's still just, the, to me, the master. So I, I you know, we just had a, a debate recently between the unmentionables, although they are Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and I was, I was very little edified by the spectacle. Uh, <laughs> I learned next to nothing that I didn't already know. And it, you and America. <laughs> yes. I, I, tweeted, I tweeted something that got a lot of retweets, and that is, Mr. Trump won the debate with Lester Holt. So the, the moderator <laughs> there. And so the, 
political toxicity, I think, has infected the church as well. And I think mm-hmm. this is to our detriment. We no longer want to debate issues. We no longer want to enter into robust, robust uh, argument without being argumentative. Now we have to crush the other guy. Now it's all about watching your enemy get eviscerated by your, you know, your favorite media person, whether it's on the left or on the right. Mm-hmm. I think this is sending us further over the cliff. You know, I've, 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 I've got a book idea titled something like, where are we going and why are we in this handbasket? <laughs> and uh, I think the, the key to re- renewing the culture is to look in the mirror. We all, you know, we complain about the culture and it's more coarse and it's more divisive, but maybe the coarseness and divisiveness starts in my own heart. That's where uh, Solzhenitsyn said that the line of good and evil is not on some battlefield. It's the inner battlefield of the human heart. Yes. So I want to empower and equip people who feel that they, they have a dream for their, for their lives. They want to crank on all pistons, but there's some resistance to the happiness that comes from living in, in the way that God wants you to live. Um, I don't know about you. I'm a kind of a superhero nerd. I grew up on the original Spider-Man and Batman. And, yes, sir. And so uh, I, I think there's an intuition there, kind of a secular, mystical intuition about why – Ordinary people love reading about people with superpowers, and I think it's a secular version of personal sanctity. I think that superheroes are kind of secular versions of saints who do things that are otherwise humanly impossible. And so we secretly, there's something about that. We want to live vicariously through that adventure of superpowers, and you see this explicitly, especially in the first Spider-Man movie. I'm not sure if you noticed this, Michael, but when I was watching the movie, I thought, A... This is a ringing endorsement of celibacy because Peter can't – he can't get you know, Mary Jane. He can't mm-hmm. have the girl and the, the white picket fence and the mortgage payments and all that. If he wants to fight evil directly, he has to be celibate. And secondly, the spidey powers are kind of like Christ's divinity and his human affect as Peter is kind of like our Lord's uh, humanity. There's pr- <laughs> the scene where the Green Goblin brings Spidey up to the top of the building and basically – you know, he's the devil, right? Uh, you know, bow down before me. I'll give all these kingdoms. Think of the devil being green with envy. So there are all these messaging um, um, ideas throughout the these um, superhero comic subculture. And I think it's it's a kind of a sign that people want to live lives that are magnificent. So the Patrick Hoffman yes. is not going to enable you to fight evil directly. You will not be suddenly afraid of kryptonite. But... Um, you might have some insight after listening to the guests for a while about what are the areas that you've created barriers between where you are and where you want to be. So that's, that's the short, the shorthand, although is I went into a safe, a superhero tangent there. Um, <laughs> superhero tangents are always welcome on this show. I assure you. Okay. Fair enough. Good. Um, I also want to produce myth busting videos that, uh, that destroy popular myths called the fact is. And that's probably going to go to the um, exclusive content for members. It'll be a membership site. And, but I'm going to throw out lots of free stuff. I'll be doing a blog post on all my guests. I, there's a, a, a YouTube sister channel that's already being built. And right now I'm in the middle of an Indiegogo campaign to launch it. And um, because it'll be listener supported, if folks want to hear more, and if you've appreciated what I've done on Catholic Answers Live and Catholic Answers Focus, I think you're really going to love what this new show is going to look like and sound like. So the best place uh, to go and do that is patrickhoffin.media. Very simple suffix.media, patrickhoffin.media. You can find out more. You can watch my 
excessively entertaining pitch video and maybe uh, throw us a fiber to make this work. Excellent. Oh, it sounds like a great show. And I especially like what you have to say about the toxicity, especially the political and cultural divides that seem to divide everyone, including those of us in the church where we, uh, as I like to joke around, because I watched a lot of professional wrestling as a child, it feels more like WWE Raw than it really feels like a conversation. Yep. That's true. Yeah, that's a great. That's that's. Uh, I'm totally stealing that with proper distribution, of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, for people of a certain age, they'll they'll know what I mean by the Jerry Springerization of public discourse. <laughs> you know, you, you can't proffer an argument. Now you have to throw a chair at the guy's head, and while everybody cheers. Yeah, and you de- you're definitely right about how this has infected discourse within the church in the Catholic media sphere. You have the Pope Francis is probably a heretic crowd. And then you have the people who hate the people who just said they think Pope Francis is a heretic. Meanwhile, there's Jesus uh, not being talked about, not being shared, not being not being witnessed to. So it's kind of hashtag fail. And I notice uh, with your Indiegogo campaign, you're actually offering a little booklet about stay cool when the arguments heat up. Can you tell us a little bit about what that little booklet is about and how that uh, addresses the cultural divide in the church? Yeah, no, uh, thank you for bringing that up. I, did, I wrote this uh, booklet. Um, I, I have a pet peeve. When people write booklets and they call them ebooks, I'm always annoyed. Mm-hmm. So this is a booklet. This is a, you could read this in one or two sittings. And it's my best attempt at distilling what I've learned in seven and a half years of negotiating high volatile conversations about things that matter. And it's called yeah, stay calm when the argument heats, stay cool when the argument heats up. And the subtitle is proven strategies for calm conversing. If you go to patrickcoffin.media, I think it's the $10 uh, range gets you yes. copies of that. And, and, you know, they're, they're free to share. I, I'm, I'm not ever going to charge for that. And so, um, a lot of people, they think they have to be debate champions for Christ, but all they really need to be is kind and patient. Uh, when we deal with um, atheists or agnostics or lapsed Catholics or, you know, uh, aggressive Calvinists who really don't like the Catholic Church, when we reply in a way that's patient and really listens to what the objection is and then, you know, tries to give a reasonable account, that's disarming for people. And a lot of that goes to not the what of the content, but the way the content is brought across. I don't know if you're a married guy or not, Mike, but people who are married know that there is a way to uh, to get things across that can backfire because of tone. And so mm-hmm. I've distilled the, the four environments in which um, high-conflict conversations can come up, the home, uh, the parish, the workplace, and the school, and provide some strategies to for staying cool. Because we do have a choice. We might be going through a, an adrenaline rush of the fight or flight. And actually, there's a third. It's fight or flight or freeze. That can also happen. And so I just offer tips and tricks on how to to get around that and and uh, converse calmly. So thanks for bringing that up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like an interesting book that I'll be glad to read as soon as I can donate to the GoFundMe. I'm sorry, the Indiegogo. Yes. Yeah. And uh, talk a little bit more about your show. Uh, what do you, What do you think will be your first couple of topics that you'll cover in your podcast? Oh, that's kind of like which of my children do I love the most? <laughs> that's my biggest battle. Is what will be my first five rollout shows. Um, and I, I can tell you the yes packages that I've had uh, guests who are eager to sign on and sit down with me. One is poet Lloyd of California, Dana Joya, who's a true Renaissance. Oh yes, Dana's just the, just the full three sixty package of brilliance and humility and uh, articulateness. 
He used to be the chairman of the National Endowment for the Arts under President Bush, and uh, Dana, I have a lot of respect for Dana. Um, Harry Lorraine, the memory uh, teacher. Uh, David Allen, who wrote Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. James Hogan, who wrote, get this title, I'm right and you're an idiot. Uh, that's on the, the toxic culture uh, uh, that, that we're, we're talking about today. Um, I'm also going to interview Tom Leopold, who is a um, comedy. Uh, he's a teacher of comedy writers for television. He wrote up for a little show called Seinfeld. You may have heard of it. And uh, Tom is a, a great guy, st stinking hilarious. Christopher Guest says when, when they were handing out jeans, uh, Tom Leopold has an extra comedy gene. Um, lots to laugh about in this culture, of course. Um, mm -hmm. also want to talk with, um, folks like drummer, Mike Miley. Mike is the drummer of the hottest rock band in America. They're called rival sons currently opening for Ozzy Osbourne on black Sabbath's final global tour. Mike's is totally, he's just, just a, an amazing guy. He's a, a, a mentor for many rock drummers and has a way of talking about faith on the road, uh, which you think about it, it's the ultimate rebellion, right? Here's this this uh, practicing serious Catholic in a very secular um, heavy metal environment, and uh, he's just a he's just a as I say he's my only star friend who's actually a rock star. <laughs> we throw that that uh, that phrase around. So yes. going forward, there'll, there'll be a lot of folks who are familiar from Catholic Answers Live. Father Robert Spitzer, the um, former president of Gonzaga University, he's now running the Maja Center for Reason and Faith. He's also a a genius on several levels, including storytelling technique. So we'll talk about the work of Joseph Campbell with Father Spitzer, Bishop Robert wow. Barron. We'll talk about how the other side are telling our story. They're controlling our narrative, and they're always getting it wrong. So that's sort of a, that's a, an intro. That's a little appetizer. But the, the, the selection of who goes first, I have, I have not worked that out. It's an excellent question. Uh, I know the stress of that, believe me. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm not sure how much our listeners will share this, but I imagine more than a few do, but it's something that greatly interests me about productivity. It sounds like something that you've studied a lot, looked into mm -hmm. quite a bit. What would you say is the biggest barrier for anyone who's trying to be productive and accomplish as much as you say someone like you accomplishes? The biggest barrier I think that people face as far as their, their complaints about low productivity is that they want to finish the project today. And they mm. want to devote long chunks of time to doing this one thing from start to finish. And they find that their toddler walks up to them, daddy or mommy, please feed me, or uh, the cat has to be fed, or uh, you, you need to go on a honeydew mission to get groceries, or you've got an appointment, and you, you're always being interrupted. I think the key is to break big projects into bite-sized morsels and deliberately stopping. Don't, you know, don't go to the nth degree until you get interrupted. A lot of time to do one thing. And if you break projects down into uh, segments, then all of a sudden, one segment at a time, you're going to get there. It's just math. You will, if you keep diligently returning to the appointment you've made to do one chunk of your project, that is, uh, I think that's the key. Because I have the ADHD trait. To me, why put off till tomorrow what you can put off till the next day? That's my mindset. So I'm always, mm -hmm. I'm always fighting things. I've learned a ton from a guy named Caesar Abeid, A-B-E-I-D. Caesar has a book called Project Management and You. And he says, look, your life's a project. So why don't you manage your life like you would a project? And Caesar's going to be one of the guests on the show as well. That's extremely helpful. Um, I also like Dave Ramsey, you know, the financial guru yes. on radio. Uh, Dave says, you can't own success 
it's rented and the rent comes due every day. And so that's a great line. Yeah. Yeah. I find, I just find zingers like that extremely helpful. So I, I, yeah, I think it's in addition to people being intimidated because they, they, they don't have a four hour chunk every day to, to devote to something they have to get done. They also make the perfect, the enemy of the good. They think, well, I can't roll this out until it's absolutely pristine. But that is, that is a lie from the pit. <laughs> to me. We should just trust that our customers, our end users, our, you know, the people we serve in ministry, whatever, let them correct us. Just ship it. Get it up. Get it on its feet. And um, if you look at the early Apple ads or, in, in fact, early Apple models, uh, some of them had laughable mistakes in them. Um, everybody has a learning curve. It doesn't matter if your name is uh, Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or Steven Spielberg. Early work is always imperfect. I know I'm I'm too scared to listen to my first you know month on the air as host of oh goodness live. you know it's like cringe cringe <laughs> but you you do something ten thousand times you do rep after rep and you get there and it's never perfect it's kind of like flying from from Los Angeles to London I I understand from pilots that they're always angling a little bit away from their destination because they're going around the globe right and even though they're not heading directly toward London as you would on a map, they are getting eventually toward London. And I think that's a good metaphor for getting things done here, um, no matter what it is. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. In fact, uh, as somebody whose main focus is writing, Mm -hmm. that is actually the advice that everyone from Graham Greene to Stephen King always says is to break it down in chunks, do a little... uh, Graham Greene said he only wrote about 500 words a day. Stephen King has 1,000 words a day, but they both did that. Mm-hmm. Just to break it down in chunks and manage to write, you know, a lot of novels and make a good living from it. Yeah, and that's exactly. I, I found that's actually a secret to a lot of things. Oh, maybe one other. And I, yes, I, and I, I say this with some humility and trepidation because some people can take it the wrong way. I learned this from from uh, Mike Rowe of uh, Yes, uh, the, the Dirty Jobs guy. Um, Dirty Jobs, right? That's Mike Rowe's. Yep, that's okay. Mike Rowe. He did Dirty Jobs of. Along with uh, American History and Booze, I think was the name of the special, which is brilliant. Yes, yeah. This Catholic appreciates that title. Yes, (laughs) Um, and that is don't follow your passion Mm -hmm. necessarily. You know, Uh, because a lot of people they go to acting school, and the acting school are they're fine taking your tuition, but maybe you're bad at acting, and no one has the heart to tell you because you really, really want to do it. It's your passion. Um, If my passion was algebra. Uh, um, I would self-destruct in about an hour. (laughs) So, you know, you have to build a skill and that skill can become your passion. So, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, surround yourself with friends who are going to tell you the brutal truth because many people in the, in the, um, uh, the motivation of being kind are actually not really being your friends. So that to me, that was a great lesson. Don't necessarily follow your passion, follow what you're good at and, and, and build a skill upon that. And that becomes your passion. Yes, and I've seen that work out in my life as well as the lives of other people. Is well, obviously, I'm an editor by trade, and I meet a lot of people whose passion is writing, mm-hmm. and no one ever had the heart to tell them your writing is not very good. Yeah. You should probably try something else. And people have this idea that once they get in their head, well, this is what I want to do since I was eight years old. Yes, and I often have to re- 
respond, well, I wanted to be a pirate and an astronaut when I was eight years old. Things have to change eventually. Yeah, yeah that's true. You know, Steve Harvey, the comedian and host. Oh, yes. Yeah. Steve Harvey did a rant once. I don't know how long ago it is in the world of YouTube. I can't tell last Tuesday from 10 years ago, but sure. Um, it, it, the theme is at some point you've got to jump. And it's his, it's just a great metaphor. He almost delivers it like a preacher. You know, your Bible says that when you jump out of a plane, your chute is going to open. It has to open. So to all those people sitting on the fence, they're in a job they don't like. They feel like they're in a rut or they're, they're just stuck in a, in a dead end scenario. <clears throat> At some point, you have to jump. And yeah, you're going to get cut on the rocks on the way down. But when your chute opens, you will be living in your gift. That's when you're going to be free. And he says, by gift, I don't mean jumping up and down like a celebrity or being famous. Your gift could be car detailing. It could be lawn mowing. He tells the story of a guy who would never go out with him uh, on the town growing up. And I think he grew up in Cleveland um, because he'd up. Oh, I got to get up in the morning and, and mow grass. And they'd make fun of him. Mow grass. What are you talking about? Well, now he has a $4 million uh, landscaping business. Because his gift mm -hmm. is is landscape manicuring and mowing people's lawns. And he's extremely successful at it. That is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Finding your gift and doing it over and over and over until you're one of the best in your field. Not the best because it's often hard to quantify, but one sure. of the best. And that's when real happiness kicks in. Exactly. And I've met real life examples in my personal life of people who found that they were freakishly good at something that they would never have guessed they were good at. I can think of one person. He and I were both wanting to become professors. We were in grad school together. Mm -hmm. He did the smart thing in quick grad school. And for some odd reason, he started learning how to be a journeyman electrician. It turned out he loved it and was really good at it to a point where he makes far more money than I'll ever make. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine and it's amazing, and that's uh, stories I try to remember and why I'm so passionate about. Yeah, don't follow your passion. Yeah, yeah. nice Very little good. paradox there. <laughs> yes, I know. I realized that as I was saying yes. it. There we are. So, Patrick, if people wanted to get a sample of your video or things like that, you mentioned uh, Media. Where else can they learn about you? Uh, my current iteration, which is full of good Catholic stuff, is patrickhoffin.net. And if you go there, mm -hmm. you can get um, a free copy of getting uh, Stay Cool When the Argument Heats Up. Um, and find out what my, my speaking, um, sweet spot is. I do, I would say 10 or so talks on different themes to do with faith, mm -hmm. culture, apologetics. I have a talk called apologetics for chickens, which is quite, um, popular. I've already begun to load up some regular commentary and rants on the YouTube channel. So, uh, youtube.com slash Patrick Coffin show. I think it's Patrick Coffin show. I don't go to my own <laughs> YouTube channel very often. Um, I could probably find that out quickly. But yeah, so that's going to be a taste of the of the show, and it's it's more mature form as I go forward. As you know, YouTube is an ever evolving uh, media form, so it's hard to know what next Tuesday is going to bring. Even you know everything's always sure. changing. It's like trying to keep up with uh, which radio network is owned by which radio network or which studio has bought which. I can never keep up, but it's mm -hmm. definitely uh, Googleable. Yeah, PatrickHoffman.media. Okay. It is. Perfect. And I'll have links for that on CatholicExchange.com when we publish this podcast. So anyone who's listening didn't get to write that down, just go to CatholicExchange.com. You'll see Patrick's wonderful picture along the right. Click that and you'll find his many sites. Great. And uh, to wrap up, this is a question I'm going to be asking everyone for the next month that I have on my show. But Patrick, uh, now that 2016 is coming to an end, what has been your favorite book this last year? Oh, my goodness. 
I know this is the stumper. I, and that's why I to a guy who reads for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would my standout book be so far? I think for eye-opening power. Well, my gosh, I'm going back and forth here. Uh, if you had to make me commit to one, I would have to say "Start" by John Acuff. That's a brilliant book. Yes. <laughs> yeah, John. I'm John. Going to reach out to John. John and I uh, have emailed back and forth a little bit. Uh, start has a, it's, I started a a men's, um, group here in San Diego called Holy Smokes. We meet every month and we drink whiskey and have cigars and talk about dadhood and theology. And start was one of the books that we cranked through and every, all the guys just loved it. The subtitle kind of says it all. Um, escape average, no punch fear in the face, escape average, do work that matters. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I have a lot, a lot of respect for John's whimsical craft of writing. And in that book, and this is interesting because this goes to what we were talking about, about renewing the culture and about stepping out and not listening to what Akoff calls critics' math. He tells, I'll tell you this very brief story because it, it puts a nice bow on our conversation. Larry David, the creator of Seinfeld and uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, is from Brooklyn. He's from New York. And mm-hmm. uh, one day during a baseball game, in New York, the Mets were playing, and, and Larry David was there. A cameraman spotted him and aimed his camera at Larry David sitting there watching the game. And there his face is on the big jumbotron, and you know, 40,000 New Yorkers went nuts, and they started shouting, David, David, proud of the local son, right, who made big in Hollywood. So that's great. So Larry David's walking to the parking lot after t- the game to his car, and um, a couple of yahoos in their car drive by, Larry David, you suck. As they drive by. So guess guess what Larry obsessed over for a week? That someone yelled, you suck? Yes. After 40,000 raving fans are screaming his name, he couldn't stop thinking about you know the wince that he received by the critics. And so critics' math is 40,000 expressions of love plus one criticism equals, in your mind, one criticism. And it's a fatal mistake. It's easy to fall into. But you cannot let that voice uh stay in your mind it should not have any rental space in your brain haters gonna hate it just is so important to spend time serving the people who are supporting you and 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 you know providing value for them and being a blessing for them doesn't matter how well you do it doesn't matter how perfectly you execute it some people will either not like you or not like the way you did it and my my go-to example is jesus of nazareth jesus was the best teacher in history, bar none, by far, but some people couldn't stand him. They didn't like him. In fact, they went to the trouble of having him tortured and killed. He couldn't even work any miracles in his hometown because of the people's lack of faith. So um, I just like that image from uh, from John. So I hope John's listening and he gives me some kind of commission for the book sales that have resulted. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. He's uh, been a big influence in my life. A lot of people don't know this about John, but he started out cutting his teeth writing comedy. And that's true. And even like these books where he talks about punching fear in the face and things like that. Yep. He still has a, he's got a great whimsical style. So yes, I think that's a great book for remembering yep. in 2016. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, so, well, with that, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us, letting us know a little bit about what your focus is going to be. And I wish you the best of luck with your adventures. For everyone who's listening, I'll be putting up links on CatholicExchange.com along with this podcast. You can go there. You can learn more about Patrick. I know I'm going to be very much looking forward to the podcast and looking forward to the other material he's going to be providing. It should be 
really quite exciting. So thanks again, Patrick. Thanks, Michael. Big fan of what you're doing. Uh, say hi to uh, Captain McKinney and all the crew there. Uh, <laughs> I, just keep it up. I, I love what you do. Ah, thank you very much. 